This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, August 9th, 2019. I'm Caleb Brown. When you attach an ideological commitment to an act of senseless violence, that violence doesn't then become sensible. So what ideologies do terrorists attach to their actions? What are the risks of generally treating all mass killings as terrorism? Cato's Alex Narasta comments. How important do you think it is that we try to drill down so deeply into whatever ideology uh, we can identify as having inspired or at least provided the pretext for uh, mass killings in the United States. So it's helpful on one hand to understand why people commit the crimes that they do or the atrocities and attacks that they do. I think that helps us, frankly, understand the world we're living in a little better. But in terms of trying to use that to prevent these crimes from happening in the future, I don't think it's that useful. I think in a sense, what we're seeing with mass killings, what we see with terrorism, what we see with these types of events is basically our generation's serial killer. Whereas in the past, in the 70s and the 80s before, um, these people behaved differently. Um, Now this is a way for them to kill a lot of uh, innocent people. Uh, sort of in one sh- in, in, in one event rather than in multiple events over several years. So it, it's hard to understand sort of the, the mind of crazy people like this who want to kill for these reasons. And I just doubt that if these ideologies didn't exist, like white supremacy or Islamism, I think a lot of them would find other reasons to do these crimes, to, to murder innocent people, or maybe not have any reason at all. Right. That's why, that's why I say pretext, because it, it seems that a lot of these people are, are looking for a reason to uh, do the deed. We see that, I think, with the, um, you know, the, the shooter in Dayton, who over the years has kept lists of people he wanted to murder and women he wanted to rape. Um, He seems to have a history of these things. So whether he committed his attack because of his left-wing politics, like we're not even sure about that yet. He was definitely a left-winger. We don't know why he committed his tax. But assuming that he did do it because he was a socialist and he wanted to teach Americans a lesson or something... um, or whether he did it, he would have done it anyway, just because he's a killer, is unclear and and very difficult to tease out. And part of the reason why it's difficult to tease out is these events just don't happen very often. We they dominate the news cycle when they do. They're sensational. They're tragic and brutal. Um, but it's very rare for people to be killed in terrorist attacks in the United States. So uh, you've done a lot of research into. Uh, killings by uh foreigners in the United States. Let's uh, let's refresh the memories of our Cato Daily podcast listeners with the the rough outline of the data uh as far as we know it about uh killings by people who are uh you know mass killings or by people who are foreigners or domestic. So your annual uh, there have been 3037 people murdered um, in terrorist attacks in the United States since um, uh, 1975, and that is up through just a few days ago. So I did a sort of a retally to make sure about this. Um, that's a fairly small chance of being murdered by a foreign-born terrorist, about one in four million 
per year. That, of course, includes 9-11, which is the largest terrorist attack in world history by a factor of about 10 and is responsible for almost 99% of all those people killed um, in those attacks. On the other hand, 510 people have been murdered in terrorist attacks on U.S. soil committed by uh, native-born Americans during that uh, 44-and-a-half-year time period. So foreign-born people have committed um, the majority, the vast majority of or have murdered the vast majority of people killed in terrorist attacks on U.S. soil, but still the number of people killed is fairly small and less than, basically less than four-tenths of one percent of the total number of homicides uh, over that time period. So you've done uh, some work in terms of categorizing incidents, uh, whether or not an attack is a uh, as a terrorist incident or should be viewed as a as a terrorist incident. You know, our some of our foreign policy scholars, some people who do civil liberties work uh, at the Cato Institute would argue, uh, and I think pretty convincingly, that when we're talking about Islamic terrorism or Islamist terrorism, however you want to uh, characterize it, uh, it is fair to view these people simply as you know, losers and criminals, and not to try to make them a part of this larger uh, movement and uh, not present them to the world as part as a harbinger of horrible things to come and thus sort of give those groups uh, a much larger platform than they would otherwise have. The reverse, it seems, is happening in the United States where you have mass killers who, uh, however, whatever they're motivated by, a lot of people running for president, uh, Elizabeth Warren uh, is is among them, saying we need to make sure we use the magic words, the uh, magic words that uh, Barack Obama wouldn't use for certain attacks in the United States. Uh, Donald Trump is now not using the magic words uh, terrorism for uh, white supremacist terrorism for uh, one of these attacks uh, most recently. And it seems that defining terrorism down poses a real risk here. So I'm, of course, agree more with my, my fellow colleagues on this than I do with uh, Elizabeth Warren or, um, or, or the conservative critics of uh, President Obama. I don't think magic words matter that much. I think that However, the use, I, I don't think magic words matter in terms of trying to uh, crush or, or prevent these threats from happening or these attacks from happening in the future. Um, I think it's a matter of fact that some, you know, the, the majority of these folks who have been killed in the United States in terrorist attacks since 1975 have been killed by uh, Islamist terrorists who are seeking sort of... Um, these crazy goals in the context of their interpretation of their religion. I think that's absolutely true. The, however, that fact that there is like a large or the idea that there's a sort of large movement of sophisticated people carrying out these attacks and a concerted plan to take over the world and create some sort of um, Sharia state caliphate is pretty thin. There's not much evidence of that. These are mostly terrorists are, and I've read thousands of stories about terrorists and doing my research. There basically seem to be two things that tie most of them together. Uh, one is a lot of them have mental health issues. And the second is a lot of them are very stupid. Um, it's the only series of news stories I've read 
where IQ of the attacker or or the person profiled in the story is routinely mentioned, and it's usually more than one standard deviation below the mean. So these are not the brightest bulbs. There are some exceptions, of course, and that doesn't mean they can't kill people. But the notion that there is this like deep conspiracy of people who are super sophisticated and able to achieve these goals is, is greatly exaggerated, both when we talk about Islamist terrorists and when we talk about uh, white supremacists or other right-wing terrorists, and even when we talk about left-wing terrorists. I think John Mueller makes that point fairly convincingly in a lot of his work going through uh, terrorist incidents and would-be terrorist incidents, just how sort of bumbling a lot of these people are. One of my favorite examples was um, uh, this fellow, Jose Padilla, who was going to make a dirty bomb, you know, a radioactive bomb in the United States. And his way of building a centrifuge to separate radioactive waste, uh, radioactive material from radioactive waste was to, you know, put some some waste in a bucket, tie a rope to it, and spin it around his head real fast. Um, that was his idea of, like, making a centrifuge. Um, the Liberty City Seven, who are a group of Islamist terrorists who were convicted of planning an attack, that one of, one of their um, ideas was to collapse a building in Chicago into Lake Michigan that would cause a tidal wave that would like break down the walls of the prison to allow some of their comrades to escape. I mean, some of these people are jokes. It's laughable. But on the other hand, you have folks like Tashfeen Malik and her husband, Saeed uh, Rizwuk, who um, you know planned an attack in San Bernardino and murdered 14 people. But those are the exceptions. The median number of people killed by a terrorist in the United States uh, who either carried out their attack, attempted to carry out their attack, or was convicted of planning one here, is zero. The vast majority of them kill nobody in attacks. It's just a relatively few who do. In terms of uh, what we believe to be terrorism uh, or mass killings in general, what dominates in terms of the the ideologies that these people uh, subscribe to? And again, this is this may well be just pretext that these people wanted to attach themselves to. That's right. But the ideologies that they identify or it's fairly obvious that they believed based on their actions, writings, et cetera, and who they targeted. Uh, since 1975, uh, about 87% of those murdered in attacks on U.S. soil have been murdered by Islamist terrorists. So that's uh, 3,101 victims out of 3,547 total. So that's by far and away the dominant one, uh, and that's because of 9-11. Um, the second largest is sort of a broad right-wing uh, terrorism. What I include in this is um, right-wing terrorists, white supremacists, and uh, anti-abortion or abortion clinic bombers. Uh, they've killed a total of 335 people, accounting for about 11% um, of, or, or a little less than 11% of um, all of those who have been murdered um, in the United States uh, in, in terrorist attacks during that time. And uh, on the uh, and then uh, below them is a sort of broad left-wing terrorists who I include as being, well, one left-wing and two black nationalists have murdered 35 people um, during that time period. So to give you just some like multiples of this, uh, Islamist terrorists are the deadliest. They killed about nine times as many as right-wing terrorists have killed. And uh, right-wing terrorists have killed about 6.3 times as many people as left-wing terrorists have killed during this time period. And that includes the Dayton shooter as a left-winger. What about uh, since 2009? So a lot of folks have been saying that 
uh, there's been sort of this shift in terrorism since 2009 that what used to be Islam, or or at least in the last decade or so, uh, a shift in terrorism from more Islamic terrorism to maybe uh, more right wing or white supremacist terrorism and more left wing terrorism. What we see is since 2009, 104 Americans have been murdered in Islamist terrorist attacks, or 104 people on U.S. soil. Uh, right-wing terrorists have killed 83, and then left-wing terrorists have killed uh, 23. So it's certainly true that the ratios are are much different than during the entire time period. Islamist terrorists have only killed about 25% more people than uh, right-wing terrorists have, and right-wing terrorists have killed about 3.6 times as many people as left-wing terrorists have. Um, so what is clear is that the deaths from right-wing and left-wing terrorists are on the rise, at least in the last 10 years. Uh, but these are very small sample sizes. These are very low numbers. So it may appear to be a trend, but I would caution against that just because we're dealing with such a small number of incidents and small number of people killed in such a large country as the United States. Alex Narasta directs immigration policy studies at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.